back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 5 radio network and streaming on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes or shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Our website is JimDawes.com and you can leave me an email at 772-245-0750. That's a voicemail at 772-245-0750. Well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the culmination of a three-year-long, actually a four-year-long witch hunt that began with the uh, with John Brennan and the CIA implanting um, foreign intelligence operatives to spy on Trump campaign associates while they were overseas and plant stories that would trigger an FBI counterintelligence investigation into the Trump campaign that allowed the Obama administration to spy on the Trump campaign through FISA warrants on at least four Trump campaign associates. And so uh, that that effort to undermine Trump and to remove him from office based on this illicit activity by our deep state failed. And when it failed, Robert Mueller, a former FBI director, actually the longest FBI, serving FBI director since J. Edgar Hoover, and mentor to James Comey, was brought on board to investigate a case that uh, was... Uh, deeply into, sorry about that, uh, uh, deeply implicating FBI wrongdoing and the firing of James Comey. And apparently nobody in official Washington, D.C. saw anything wrong with that. They, uh, they just determined that uh, Robert Mueller was a model of rectitude and uh, integrity and allowed him to hire a team made up entirely of radical Democrat partisans donators to Hillary Clinton's campaign, led by a prosecutor named Andrew Weissman, who had been overturned nine to nothing at the Supreme Court based on obstruction of justice theories exactly like the ones he attempted to uh, apply here in this Mueller report. So I have uh, said to you many times in this show that I'm not here thinking that I am the font of all wisdom. I'm not like a lot of the other talk show hosts that uh, loves to hear themselves talk. What I, what I try to do is gather clips that illustrate to the listeners exactly what's going on. And today, um, in the hearing before the House Judiciary Committee, the uh, Republicans made this case brilliantly and they did so sort of in a progressive manner exploring all of the defects in Mueller's investigation it's really Weissman's investigation I think that uh, going forward this Mueller report should be referred to as the Weissman dossier but uh, what I'm going to do for you this is going to be sort of an unusual show is uh, play clips from the Republican members of the House Judiciary Committee just skewering and discrediting this whole effort uh, by the deep state 
to cover their butts for the wrongdoing of the FBI and the CIA and um, James Comey and John Brennan and Jim Clapper. And uh, they make the case far better than I can. So these are going to be some extended clips. I will, uh, you know, pause uh, every now and then to uh, to interject. But uh, mostly I'm going to play this. Now, what you'll be getting from 90% of the mainstream media is the opposite case. So I think it's important that we use this time together to uh, to really listen to the opposing point of view. This is equal time. So John Ratcliffe was the uh, the... Republican of Texas was the original questioner on the Republicans uh, side. And uh, he set this whole um, setting up purpose uh, perfectly. Can you give me an example other than Donald Trump where the Justice Department determined that an investigated person was not exonerated because I, their I, innocence was not conclusively determined? I, I cannot, but this is a unique okay, situation. Well, I, you can't. Time is short. I've got five minutes. Let's just leave it at you can't find it because I'll tell you why. It doesn't exist. The special counsel's job, nowhere does it say that you were to conclusively determine Donald Trump's innocence or that the special counsel report should determine whether or not to exonerate him. It's not in any of the documents. It's not in your appointment order. It's not in the special counsel regulations. It's not in the OLC opinions. It's not in the justice manual. And it's not in the principles of federal prosecution. Nowhere do those words appear together because respectfully, respectfully, Director, it was not the special counsel's job to conclusively determine Donald Trump's innocence or to exonerate him. Because the bedrock principle of our justice system is a presumption of innocence. It exists for everyone. Everyone is entitled to it, including sitting presidents. And because there is a presumption of innocence, prosecutors never, ever need to conclusively determine it. Now, Director. Basically, what Radcliffe is pointing out is that Robert Mueller and his team stood uh, American jurisprudence, Western jurisprudence, English common law, everything that our law is based upon, uh, on its head and said that because they could not conclusively determine that Donald Trump uh, did not obstruct justice and therefore they were going to refuse to uh, make a declination to prosecute, it was an absurd premise to begin with. And they skewered it uh, very successfully today. But you have to ask yourself, of the thousands of prosecutors, federal prosecutors available, why would you appoint a former director of the FBI and the mentor at the FBI of James Comey to be the special counsel investigating matters involving FBI wrongdoing and the firing of James Comey? It's absolutely absurd. Matt Goetz, a Republican of Florida, this is going to be a very long clip. I think you ought to listen to every bit of it because he absolutely puts all of this in perspective. The uh, gentleman from Florida. Director Mueller, can you state with confidence that the Steele dossier was not part of Russia's disinformation campaign? No, as I said in, the, uh, in my opening statement, I, uh, that uh, part of the uh, building of the case was predated me and by at least 10 months. Yeah, I mean, Paul Manafort's alleged uh, crimes regarding tax evasion predated you. You had no problem charging them. And matter of fact, it, 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 this Steele dossier predated the attorney general, and he didn't have any problem answering the question. When Senator Cornyn asked the attorney general the exact question I asked you, director, the attorney general said, and I'm quoting, no, 
I can't state that with confidence. And that's one of the areas I'm reviewing. I'm concerned about it, and I don't think it's entirely speculative. Now, if something is not entirely speculative, then it must have some factual basis. But you identify no factual basis regarding the dossier or the possibility that it was part of the Russia disinformation campaign. Now, Christopher Steele's reporting is referenced in your report. Steele reported to the FBI that senior Russian foreign ministry figures, among with other, along with other Russians, told him that there was, and I'm quoting from the Steele dossier, extensive evidence of conspiracy between the Trump campaign team and the Kremlin. So here's my question. Did Russians really tell that to Christopher Steele, or did he just make it all up and was he lying to the FBI? Uh, let me back up a second if I could and say, as I uh, said earlier, uh, with regard to the steel, uh, that uh, that's beyond my purview. No, it is exactly your purview, Director Mueller, and here's why. Only one of two things is possible, right? Either Steele made this whole thing up and there were never any Russians telling him of this vast criminal conspiracy that you didn't find, or Russians lied to Steele. Now, if Russians were lying to Steele to undermine our confidence in our duly elected president, that would seem to be precisely your purview because you stated in your opening that the organizing principle was to fully and thoroughly investigate Russia's interference. But you weren't interested in whether or not Russia were interfering through Christopher Steele. And if Steele was lying, then you should have charged him with lying like you charged a variety of other people. But you say nothing about this in your report. Well, sir. Meanwhile, Director, you're quite loquacious on other topics. You write 3,500 words about the June 9 meeting between the Trump campaign and Russian lawyer Veselnitskaya. You write on page 100. So let's just uh, stop and recap what Getz has just gone through right there. He, uh, He is pointing out that Mueller and his team, really the Weissman team, uh, tasked with investigating Russian interference in our election, turned a blind eye entirely to the so-called Steele dossier and whether or not it was sourced from Russian intel agents planting disinformation uh, into the electoral, um, into the elections in order to uh, harm Donald Trump. They didn't look at that at all according to um, Robert Mueller. And Robert Mueller goes on later on in this hearing to refuse to even answer whether or not they ever interviewed Christopher Steele. And the reason he's avoiding these questions, obviously, is because uh, the answers to them are too incriminating against this whole deep state effort to interfere in the presidential campaign and and now to cover up their wrongdoing. And here gets gets into the infamous Trump Tower meeting that was, in fact, yet another effort by the Clinton campaign and the DNC to uh, to plant disinformation on the Trump campaign. In three of your report that the president's legal team suggested, and I'm quoting from your report, that the meeting might have been a setup by individuals working with the firm that produced the Steele reporting. So I'm going to ask you a very easy question, Director Mueller. On the week of June 9, who did Russian lawyer Veselnitskaya meet with more frequently? The Trump campaign or Glenn Simpson, who was functionally acting as an operative for the Democratic National Committee? Well, what I think is missing here is the fact that uh, this is under investigation other in, uh, elsewhere in the Justice I Department. Get that, and if I can finish, sir, and if I can finish, sir, 
and consequently it's not within my purview. Department of Justice and FBI should be responsive to questions on this particular issue. Well, uh, the Mueller investigation had been going on for almost a year, almost two years before Bob Barr ever opened an investigation into the origins of this whole uh, effort to undermine the Trump presidency and its his uh, his campaign. So Mueller would have already been in a position to investigate that. And you notice he is totally mute on it. He doesn't want to answer any questions regarding this because that is the real topic that his whole effort was there to cover up. It's heard to suggest that a operative for the Democrats was meeting with this Russian lawyer the day before and the day after the Trump Tower meeting, and yet that's not something you reference. Now, Glenn Simpson testified under oath he had dinner with Veselnitskaya the day before and the day after this meeting with the Trump team. Do you have any basis as you sit here today to believe that Steele was lying? As I said before, and I'll say again, it's not my purview. Others are investigating what you uh, So, so it's not address. your purview to look into whether or not Steele's lying. It's not your purview to look into whether or not anti-Trump Russians are lying to Steele. And it's not your purview to look at whether or not Glenn Simpson was meeting with the Russians the day before and the day after you write 3,500 words about the Trump campaign meeting. So I'm wondering... How, the, how these decisions are guided, I look at the Inspector General's report. I'm citing from page 404 of the Inspector General's report. It states, Page stated, Trump's not ever going to be president, right? Right. Strzok replied, no, he's not. We'll stop it. Also in the Inspector General's report, there's someone identified as attorney number two. Attorney number two, this is page 419, replied, hell no, and then added, viva la resistance. Attorney number two in the Inspector General's report and Strzok both worked on your team, didn't they? Pardon me? Can you ask? Uh, they both worked on your team, didn't they? Uh, I know. I heard Strzok. Who else? He's referring to Andrew Weissman. Andrew Weissman uh, was in on this, this whole effort by the Obama administration to undermine the Trump campaign and then the presidency from the very beginning. The the idea that he was appointed to this team to cover up wrongdoing by the Obama administration that he himself participated in is an absurdity. Mueller came in to this, this hearing somehow uh, armed with the ability to refuse to answer questions. Now, refusing to answer a question... Uh, when you're under oath, without declaring uh, a, a privilege or uh, declare or invoke the Fifth Amendment, is unheard of. He he doesn't get to choose which questions he deigns to answer and which ones he don't it doesn't. And yet, all day long, he refused to answer any questions that would tend to uh, exonerate. Any exculpatory evidence, in, in other words, the Trump team. And it was absolutely ridiculous that he was allowed to, to do this. If you were to try to do that, go into a court of law and just say, I'm not answering. Of course, they'd ask you why, uh, on what basis are you refusing to answer? And if you didn't have a, a, a legitimate basis for refusing to answer, they would throw, throw you in jail and hold you in contempt. But all day long, Mueller was allowed to get away with this. So Jim, uh, Jim Jordan of Ohio came up uh, after Getz, and he explored the whole origins of this investigation or uh, of this uh, smear campaign and the spying that took place on the Trump um, campaign. 
Director, the FBI interviewed Joseph Mifsud on February 10th, 2017. In that interview, Mr. Mifsud lied. You point this out on page 193, volume one, Mifsud denied. Mifsud also falsely stated. In addition, Mifsud omitted. Three times he lied to the FBI, yet you didn't charge him with the crime. Excuse me, are, did you Why say not? one? I'm sorry, did you say 193? Volume one, 193. He lied three times, you pointed out in the report. Why didn't you charge him with the crime? Uh, I can't get into uh, internal deliberations with regard to who would or would not be. Uh, <laughs> so Mueller's running all over the place, uh, uh, charging people with perjury and lying to FBI agents. Most of these based on uh, plea agreements where, you know, uh, the the target simply pled to the least crime that they could uh, in order to avoid financial ruin and uh, and prosecutions of his families. Uh, and yet, the one guy that was the center of all of this, Joseph Mifsud, who has been characterized by the uh, the Democrats and by um, the left-wing media as a Russian operative who turns out to be a Western intelligence operative, probably working for John Brennan, he gets to lie to the FBI and no consequences whatsoever. There's a lot of other people for making false statements. Let's remember this. Let's remember this. In 2016, the FBI did something they probably haven't done before. They spied on two American citizens associated with a presidential campaign, George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. With Carter Page, they went to the FISA court. They used the now famous dossier as part of the reason they were able to get the warrant and spy on Carter Page for a better part of a year. Well, I wish uh, the Republicans would be better at uh, illustrating what, in fact, these FISA warrants do. They had not only had the ability to spy on Carter Page as a result of these FISA warrants, they had an ability to uh, spy on everybody that Carter Page talked to, all of their conversations that even did not include Carter Page, and everybody that those people talked to. It's called the two-hop rule, and it allows... Uh, this surveillance, this massive surveillance to capture all of the phone calls and all of the emails, not only of the target, but everybody that he talks to and everybody that those people talk to. And if you get a, get a FISA warrant on Carter Page, for instance, you're basically getting a, a warrant to spy on everybody in the Trump campaign and everybody af- associated with uh, Donald Trump. With Mr. Papadopoulos... They didn't go to the court. They used human sources. All kinds of, from about the moment Papadopoulos joins the Trump campaign, you got all these people all around the world starting to swirl around him. Names like Halper, Downer, Mifsud, Thompson, meeting in Rome, London, all kinds of places. The FBI even sent, even sent a lady posing as somebody else, went by the name Azra Turk, even dispatched her to London to spy on Mr. Papadopoulos. They were deploying undercover operatives to spy on the Trump campaign, and uh, this Azra Turk, who was posing as Stephen Hopper's assistant, is not the only one. It will be discovered before all of this is over with that uh, Peter Sater, or Felix Sater, was in fact working for either the FBI or the CIA, I tend to believe it's the CIA, when he dangled the prospect of a Trump Tower before Michael Cohen. If only Michael Cohen could get uh, Donald Trump to, uh, to reach out to Vladimir Putin. In one of these meetings, Mr. Papadopoulos is talking to a foreign diplomat, and he tells the diplomat 
Russians have dirt on Clinton. That diplomat then contacts the FBI, and the FBI opens an investigation based on that fact. You point this out on page one of the report. July 31st, 2016, they open the investigation based on that piece of information. Diplomat tells Papadopoulos, Russians have dirt, excuse me, Papadopoulos tells the diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. Diplomat tells the FBI. What I'm wondering is, who told Papadopoulos? How'd he find out? I can't get into the evidentiary file. Yes, you can, because you wrote about it. You gave us the answer. Page 192 of the report, you tell us who told him. Joseph Mifsud. Joseph Mifsud's a guy who told Papadopoulos. The mysterious professor who lives in Rome and London, works and teaches in two different universities. This is the guy who told Papadopoulos. He's the guy who starts it all. And when the FBI interviews him, he lies three times. And yet you don't charge him with a crime. You charge Rick Gates for false statements. You charge Paul Manafort for false statements. You charge Michael Cohen with false statements. You charge Michael Flynn, a three-star general, with false statements. But the guy who puts the country through this whole saga starts it all for three years we've lived this now. He lies, and you guys don't charge him. And I'm curious as to why. Well, I can't get into it, and, uh, and it's obvious, I think, that we can't get into charging decisions. <laughs> I can't get into it, he says. I can tell you why. Because they are never going to put uh, Joseph Mifsud on the stand and, uh, and have him testify to how he came about these original meetings with George Papadopoulos and how he came to plant this, uh, this uh, bait with Papadopoulos so that it could later be harvested by the whale, Stephen uh, Hopper, in order to kick off this whole counterintelligence investigation by the FBI. They did all of this overseas with the uh, coordination of John Brennan and MI6 and other uh, foreign intelligence agencies that uh, wanted Hillary Clinton to win the election because Donald Trump was saying he was going to require our allies to pay their fair share when it came to uh, NATO. They absolutely did not want a Trump presidency and they would do or were doing everything in coordination with John Brennan and Obama's White House in order to torpedo the Trump campaign. Really? Robert Mueller cannot answer whether Joseph Mifsud was an American intelligence asset? Seriously, he can't answer why he didn't charge him with lying. And then he says, well, that's being looked into in another investigation. Well, that was part of your investigation. It was contained in your report. This whole um, report, the Mueller report, which should be referred to as the Weissman dossier, because it is just as dishonest and just as full of lies as the Steele dossier was, and it was written by Andrew Weissman, just sitting here listening to uh, Robert Mueller testify today, you begin to wonder whether or not he had ever even read Weissman's dossier. Because he um, he couldn't uh, explain what was in the report. He refused to comment on what was in the report. He was basically a deer in the headlights um, relying on just just saying I rely on the report and I refuse to answer that question. 
Here is uh, Representative Biggs uh, on the next questioning. Uh, over here. Thanks. Mr. M- Mr. Mueller, uh, you guys, your team wrote in the uh, report, quote, on, this is the top of page two, volume one, also on page 173, by the way. You said that you'd come to the conclusion that, quote, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities, close quote. That's accurate statement, right? That's accurate. And I'm curious, when did you personally come to that conclusion? Uh, uh, can you remind me uh, uh, which paragraph you're adverting to? Top of page two. On two? Volume one. Okay. Uh, and exactly which paragraph are you looking at on two? The investigation did not establish. Of course. I see it. Yes. See it? What was your question? He's asking, when did you make this determination that there was no collusion? And Mueller refused to answer it. And the reason he refused to answer it is because... It was before the 2016 presidential campaign, and that's why they set on it. We've got to run out to a break. Stick with us after two messages right here on Right Now. I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Internet required for mobile. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective on the Mojo 5 radio network. So we're under this questioning with uh, Representative Biggs. I believe he's from... Uh, is it Louisiana? And uh, he's asking Mueller, well, when did you make the determination that uh, there was no collusion or conspiracy with the Trump campaign to interfere uh, with Russian interference in the election? And Mueller's uh, ducking and weaving and refusing to answer the question. And I'll tell you why is because uh, they knew they knew that this was the case well before the 2016 presidential election, but they sat on it because they wanted uh, the Democrats to be able to use this, uh, this Russiagate hoax in that campaign, and it worked. They were able to retake the House of Representatives based largely on these lies. So we'll get back to the questioning from Biggs. My question now is, when did you personally reach that conclusion? Well, we were ongoing for two years. Uh, right, you were ongoing. You wrote it at some point during that two-year period. But at some point, you had to come to a conclusion that, uh, that I don't think there's, a, that there's not a conspiracy going on here. There was no conspiracy between this president. Um, I'm not talking about the rest of the president's team. I'm talking about this president and the Russians. 
As you understand, uh, in developing a criminal case, uh, you get pieces of information, pieces of information, witnesses, and the like, uh, as you make your case. Right. And uh, when you make a decision on a particular case depends on a number of factors. Right, I understand. So I cannot say specifically that we reached a decision on a particular defendant uh, uh, at a particular point in time. But it was sometime well before you wrote the report. Fair enough. I mean, you wrote the report dealing with a whole myriad of issues. Certainly at some time prior to... Prosecutorial misconduct. They knew that the president uh, was not going to be charged with this uh, probably just months, a few short months after beginning this investigation. But, the you know, to determine guilt or innocence was never the purpose of this witch hunt. The purpose of the witch hunt was to put the Trump... Uh, team on the defensive long enough for the statute of limitations to toll on the wrongdoing by James Comey, Jim Clapper, and um, and John Brennan. And uh, this next questioning comes from California's Representative McClintock, and he's getting into uh, the, the whole basis of all of this, and that is these bogus charges that Russia conducted a massive interference uh, operation in the 2016 presidential campaign. It may have happened. We don't know. But what we do know is that uh, after two and a half years, $40 million and, and all of this investigation by the Mueller team, they have yet to prove it. They did not conclusively prove that Russia hacked the DNC servers, and they did not conclusively prove that the Kremlin engaged in a massive social media operation that was designed to benefit Donald Trump. And that's the topic that uh, McClintock really bores in on, is this Russia to- uh, Russian troll farm. And, uh, and you may not have heard uh, the revelations that come from his questioning. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, you had three discussions with Rod Rosenstein about your appointment as special counsel, May 10th, May 12th, and May 13th, correct? I, if you say so, I have no reason to, to dispute that. Then you met with the president on the 16th with Rod Rosenstein present, and then on the 17th you were formally appointed as special counsel. Were you meeting with the president on the 16th with knowledge that you were under consideration for appointment to special counsel? I did not believe I was under consideration for uh, uh, counsel. Uh, the, uh, I had uh, served two terms as FBI okay, director. So the answer is no. And um, the answer is no. Greg Jarrett describes your office as the team of partisans. Um, and as additional information is coming to light, there's a growing concern that political bias caused important facts to be omitted from your report in order to cast the uh, president unfairly in a negative light. For example... Uh, John Dowd, the president's lawyer, leaves a message with Michael Flynn's lawyer on November 17th of 2017, uh, November 2017. The edited version in your report makes it appear that he was improperly asking for confidential information. And that's all we'd know from your report, except that the judge in the Flynn case ordered the entire transcript released, in which Dowd makes it crystal clear that's not what he was suggesting. So uh, my question is, why did you edit the transcript to hide the exculpatory part of the message? Well, I'm not certain I would agree uh, with your characterization as we did anything to hide. Well, you omitted omitted it. You you quoted the part where he says we need some kind of heads up just for the sake of protecting all of our interests if we can, but you omitted 
uh, the portion where he says, without giving up any confidential information. That's what's called uh, hiding exculpatory uh, information from the court. A prosecutor has the responsibility not to fashion his prosecution so as to um, hide any information collected against a defendant that would tend to prove that that, um, that target of the investigation was innocent. And so what happened in this case is Weissman and his team went in and selectively edited these statements to make it look as if General Flynn had lied when, in fact, he had not. But they didn't. They showed no interest in, uh, in uh, uh, pursuing charges against Joseph Mifsud for his three lies. But they're going to gin up some uh, bogus lies against General Flynn a three-star general who had served his country for 30 years in order to pursue this witch hunt. Well, I'm not going to go further in terms of discussing the... Uh, well, let's what, go on. You, you extensively discussed Konstantin Kalimnik's activities with Paul Manafort. You described in his quote, a Russian-Ukrainian political consultant and longtime employee of Paul Manafort assessed by the FBI to have ties to Russian intelligence. And again, that's all we know from your report, except we've since learned from news articles that Kalimnik was actually a U.S. State Department intelligence source, yet nowhere in your report is he so identified. Why was that fact? I don't, I don't necessarily credit uh, what you're saying uh, occurred. Were you aware that Kalimnik was uh, a... a uh, I'm not going to go into the... How can I answer that? I'm not going to go into the ins and outs oh, of what we no. had in the, cor- did you in, the cor- in the course did you of our investigation. Did you interview Konstantin Kalimnik? Pardon? Did you interview Konstantin Kalimnik? I can't go into the discussion of uh, uh, our uh, investigative moves. Really? He's not going to even answer whether or not he ever interviewed Kalimnik. And the reason he's not going to answer that question is because if he had, or if he does admit that he interviewed Kalimnik, then he will be admitting that he uh, omitted exculpatory information from this report. And, and, and yet that is the... the, the basis of your report again the, the problem we're having is we have to rely on your report for an accurate reflection of the evidence and we're starting to find out that's that's not true for example you, you your report famously links russian internet troll farms with the russian government yet at a hearing on may 28th in the concord management ira prosecution that you initiated the judge excoriated both you and mr barr for producing no evidence to support this claim why did you suggest Russia was responsible for the troll farms when in court you've been unable to produce any evidence to support it? Well, I'm not going to get into that any further than I, than I already have. But- what do you mean any further than you already have? He hasn't gotten into it at all. Either he is ignorant of the whole investigation and has apparently not read this report, or he is purposely, once again, misleading the American public on the nature of this whole effort to try to smear the Trump campaign. But you, you have left the clear impression throughout the country through your report uh, that uh, uh, it was the Russian government behind the troll farms. And yet when you're called upon to provide actual evidence in court, you fail to do so. Well, I would again uh, uh, dispute your characterization of what occurred in that, pre- in that proceeding. In, in, in fact, the judge considering uh, considered holding prosecutors in criminal contempt she backed off only after your hastily called press conference the next day in which you retroactively made the distinction between the Russian government and the Russia troll farms. So what happened? And in, in, uh, in this uh, press release or this um, uh, news conference, 
that the Mueller team put together, um, a major portion of this whole Russiagate hoax that the troll farm in St. Petersburg, acting on behalf of Vladimir Putin, um, engaged in a, a huge effort to undermine Hillary Clinton and to promote Donald Trump. That has never been true. It has always been a bogus assertion based on um, you know misrepresentation and the ignorance of the American public. The truth of the matter is that Troll Farm spent about $100,000 uh, over two years, beginning in 2015, and in the run-up to the actual election in 2016, they spent about $40,000 on Facebook ads. And of those ads, if you look at them, about, uh, they, were, they were decided in, in the four buckets. About a quarter of them were anti-Hillary and a quarter of them were pro-Trump. And then a quarter of them were pro-Hillary and a quarter of them were anti-Trump. There was no way of telling by these ads that were a fraction, just a drop in the bucket of the social media advertising that went on between the campaigns, who they were supporting, if anybody. It's far more likely that this troll farm was doing what troll farms in Eastern Europe do, working for uh, anonymous clients who had um, who had you know interests access to grind political action committees and industries and businesses and such and the whole idea that they were uh, coordinated by vladimir putin if that was the uh, russian government's efforts to engage in a social media campaign it was pitifully inadequate it's always been a joke Debbie Lesko, Republican of Arizona, points out that much of the, uh, if you read the footnotes in the, in the Mueller report, also known as the Weissman dossier, you find out that much of it was sourced, not from the investigative team itself, but from the Washington Post and the New York Times. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, just recently, Mr. Mueller, you said uh, Mr. Liu was asking you questions. And Mr. Liu's question, I, I quote, the reason you didn't indict the president is because of the OLC opinion. And you answered, that is correct. But that is not what you said in the report, and it's not what you told Attorney General Barr. And in fact, in a joint statement that you released with DOJ on May 29th, after your press conference, you're offered, your office issued a joint statement with the Department of Justice that said, the Attorney General has previously stated that the special counsel repeatedly affirmed that he was not saying that but for the OLC opinion, he would have found the president obstructed justice. This line of questioning is uh, related to the, uh, the Mueller t- Mueller's uh, original position that, um, you know, the the decision not to uh, recommend prosecution for obstruction of justice was not based on the Office of Legal Counsel's opinion that you can't indict a sitting president. And then after, um, after it was clear that Andrew Weissman and the angry Democrats didn't like that characterization, Mueller attempted to walk it back and say, oh, yeah, that's, that's the reason. Once again, raising questions of whether or not uh, Mueller understood 
what his team of Weissman and the angry Democrats were trying to do or whether or not he tried to disown it at the last minute. The special counsel's report in his statement today made clear that the office concluded it would not reach a determination one way or the other whether the president committed a crime. There is no conflict between these statements. So, Mr. Miller, do you stand by your joint statement with DOJ that you issued on May 29th as you sit here today? Uh, I would have to look at it more closely before I said uh, uh, I agree with it. Well, um, so, I, you know, my conclusion is that what you told me. He would have to look at the statement uh, to, uh, that he made to determine whether or not he agreed with the statement that he made. Really, this is the guy that is going to uh, uh, trigger an impeachment of a president of the United States. He can't even stand behind his own statements. Mr. Liu really contradicts what you said in the report and specifically what you said apparently repeatedly to Attorney General Barr that and then you issued a joint statement on May 29th saying that the Attorney General has previously stated that the special counsel repeatedly affirmed that he was not saying but for the OLC report that we would have found the President of Destructive Justice. So I just say there's a conflict. I do have some more questions. Mr. Mueller, there's been a lot of talk today about firing the special counsel and curtailing the investigation. Were you ever fired, Mr. Mueller? From yes, special, were you ever fired as special counsel, Mr. Mueller? Not that I, no. No. Were you, were you allowed to complete your investigation unencumbered? Yes. And, in fact, you resigned as special counsel when you closed up the office in, in late May 20, 2019. Is that correct? That's correct. Thank you. Um, Mr. Mueller... On April 18th, the Attorney General held a press conference in conjunction with the public release of your report. Did Attorney General Barr say anything inaccurate, either in his press conference or his March 24th letter to Congress, summarizing the principal conclusions of your report? Well, uh, what you are not mentioning is a letter we sent on uh, March 27th. Uh, to Mr. Barr that raised uh, uh, some issues. And that letter speaks for itself. The letter probably was uh, drafted by Weissman as well. I don't see how that could be since A.G. Barr's letter detailed the principal conclusions of your report. And you have said before that that... There wasn't anything inaccurate. In fact, you had this joint state. Let me jump ahead to where she uh, she gets to where um, much of this Weissman dossier was sourced. I counted. Uh, again, I have no idea. How many times I won? Other than purely relying on the evidence provided by witnesses and documents, I, I think you relied a lot on media. I'd like to know how many times you cited the Washington Post in your report. How many times I what? Cited the Washington Post in your report. I, don't have, I do not have knowledge of that yeah. figure, but I, I well, that's I, it. I don't have knowledge of that figure. I counted about 60 times. How many times did you cite the New York Times? I counted. Uh, again, I have no idea. I counted about 75 times. How many times did you? So in a, um, 
a 400-page report, they cited either the New York Times or the Washington Post almost 140 times, a little over 140 times. Now, was any effort made to confirm the information that was uh, cited in the Washington Post or the New York Times? No. And we know that the New York Times and the Washington Post have made a habit of uh, fake news, twisting their reporting, uh, omitting key facts, and yet Weissman and the team could not uh, restrain themselves from citing these, these two thoroughly discredited sources at this point, absent of any independent reporting. I'm surprised he didn't uh, cite Rachel Maddow over at MSNBC. And all of this is just prosecutorial misconduct, plain and simple. What they did was, uh, was go after the President of the United States based on false accusations, based on um, opposition research. And now the, the Democrats want to try to gin that up into an obstruction of justice charge not even obstructing justice because uh, Mueller even acknowledges in his testimony today that no obstruction actually occurred. They want to say it was an attempted obstruction of justice of a crime that never happened. And that's what's occupying all of the Democrats' time and energy in the House of Representatives. Here is uh, Representative Klein going after uh, Andrew Weissman directly. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Cope, Mr. Mueller. We've heard a lot about what you're not going to talk about today. So let's talk about something that you should be able to talk about, the law itself, the underlying obstruction statute, and your creative legal analysis of the statutes in Volume 2, particularly your interpretation of 18 U.S.C. 1512C. Section 1512C is an obstruction of justice statute. Let's jump ahead a little bit here. Influence of proceeding. Team, in fact, have had convictions overturned because they were based on an incorrect law. The prosecutors sometimes incorrectly apply the law, correct? I would have to agree with that one. Yes. And members of your legal team, in fact, have had convictions overturned because they were based on an incorrect legal theory, correct? Well, I don't know to what you advert. We've all, who well, in time in the of, trenches, trying cases, have not won every one of those cases. Well, let me ask you about one in particular. One of your top prosecutors, Andrew Weissman, obtained a conviction against auditing firm Arthur Anderson, lower court, which was subsequently overturned in a unanimous Supreme Court decision that rejected the legal theory advanced by Weissman, correct? Well, I am not getting- and that is the exact same legal theory that Andrew Weissman puts forward in this, um, this report. The same one that he used to destroy Arthur Anderson accounting firm and 25,000 American jobs and was subsequently overturned nine to nothing by the Supreme Court. He's trotting out that same tired accusation again. Let me read from that. Maybe may, I just finish, may I just finish my yes. answer to say that I'm not going to be get involved in a discussion on that. I will refer you to that citation that you gave me at the outset for the lengthy discussion on just what you're talking about. And to the extent that I have anything to say about it, 
It is what we've already put into the uh, report on that. And issue. I am reading from your report uh, when discussing this section. Now I'll read from the de- decision of the Supreme Court, unanimously reversing Mr. Weissman, uh, when he said, indeed, it's, it, it's striking how little culpability the instructions required. For example, the jury was told that even if Petitioner honestly and sincerely believed his conduct was lawful, the jury could convict. The instructions also diluted the meaning of corruptly such that it covered innocent conduct. Uh, let, me, let me just say, uh, put well, a word let for Let me it. move on. I have, I have limited time. Your report takes yeah, the broadest possible true. reading of this provision in applying it to the president's official acts, and I'm concerned about the implications of your theory for over-criminalizing conduct by public officials and private citizens alike. So to emphasize how broad your theory of liability is, I want to ask you about a few examples. On October 11, 2015, during the FBI investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server, President Obama said, I don't think it posed a national security problem. And he later said, I can tell you that this is not a situation in which America's national security was endangered. Assuming for a moment that his comments did influence the investigation, couldn't President Obama be charged under your interpretation with obstruction of justice? And Mueller's not going to answer that again. And uh, what what Klein's doing there is, is pointing out the massive double standard. You know, the Democrats are never held to the same standard that the Republicans are. If they were, um, they'd all be in jail because they, in fact, in fact engage in the, the wrongdoing that uh, the Democrats actually only accuse Republicans of uh, engaging in. But in the time we've got left, I want to play... Uh, Representative Strabel's, I'm, I'm sorry, Representative Johnson's summation of the entire uh, questioning that went down today. As most of us expected, you've stuck closer to your report and you have declined to answer many of our questions on both sides. As the closer for the Republican side, I know you're glad to get to the close, I, I want to summarize the highlights of what we have heard and what we know. You spent two years and nearly 30 million taxpayer dollars and unlimited resources to prepare a nearly 450-page report, which you described today as very thorough. Millions of Americans today maintain genuine concerns about your work, in large part because of the infamous and widely publicized bias of your investigating team members, which we now know included 14 Democrats and zero Republicans. Campaign finance reports later uh, showed that team, excuse me, it's my time, uh, that team of Democrat investigators you hired donated more than $60,000 to the Hillary Clinton campaign and other Democratic candidates. Your team also included Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, which have been dis- discussed today, and they had the lurid, te- lurid text messages that confirmed they openly mocked and hated Donald Trump and his supporters, and they vowed to take him out. Mr. Ratcliffe asked you earlier this morning, quote, can you give me an example other than Donald Trump where the Justice Department determined that an investigated person was not exonerated because their innocence was not conclusively determined, unquote. You answered, I cannot. Sir, that is unprecedented. The president believed from the very beginning that you and your special counsel team had serious conflicts. This is stated in the report and acknowledged by everybody. And yet, President Trump cooperated fully with the investigation. He knew he had done nothing wrong, and he encouraged all witnesses to cooperate with the investigation and produced more than 1.4 million pages of information and allowed over 40 witnesses who were directly affiliated with the White House or his campaign. Your report acknowledges on page 61, volume 2, that a volume of evidence exists of the president telling many people privately, quote, 
The president was concerned about the impact of the Russian investigation on his ability to govern and to address important foreign relations issues and even matters of national security. And on page 174, volume 2, your report also acknowledges that the Supreme Court has held, quote, the president's removal powers are at their zenith with respect to principal officers, that is, officers who must be appointed by the president and who report to him directly. The president's exclusive and illimitable power of removal of those principal officers furthers the president's ability to ensure that the laws are faithfully executed, unquote. And that would even include the attorney general. Look, in spite of all of that, nothing ever happened to stop or impede your special counsel's investigation. Nobody was fired by the president. Nothing was curtailed. And the investigation continued unencumbered for 22 long months. As you finally concluded in volume one, the evidence, quote, did not establish that the president was involved in an underlying crime related to Russian election interference, unquote. And the evidence, quote, did not establish that the president or those close to him were involved in any Russian conspiracies or had an unlawful relationship with any Russian official, unquote. Over those 22 long months that your investigation dragged along, the president became increasingly frustrated, as many of the American people did, with its effects on our country and, and his ability to govern. He vented about this to his lawyer and his close associates, and he even shared his frustrations, as we all know, on Twitter. But while the president's social media accounts might have influenced some in the media or the opinion of some of the American people, none of those audiences were targets or witnesses in your investigation. The president never affected anybody's testimony. He never demanded to end the investigation or demanded that you be terminated, and he never misled Congress, the DOJ, or the special counsel. Those, sir, are undisputed facts. There will be a lot of discussion, I, I predict today, and great frustration throughout the country about the fact that you wouldn't answer any questions here about the origins of this whole charade, which was the infamous Christopher Steele dossier, now proven to be totally bogus, even though it is listed and specifically referenced in your report. But as our hearing is concluding, we apparently will get no comment on that from you. Mr. Mueller, there's one primary reason why you were called here today and by the, by the Democrat majority of our committee. Our colleagues on the other side of the aisle just want political cover. They desperately wanted you today to tell them they should impeach the president. But the one thing you have said very clearly today is that your report is complete and thorough and you completely agree with and stand by its recommendations and all of its content. Is that right? True. Mr. Mueller, one last important question. Your report does not recommend impeachment, does it? I'm not going to talk about uh, recommendations. It does not conclude that impeachment would be appropriate here, I'm not right? Talk, I'm not going to talk uh, about, that, uh, uh, about th that issue. That's one of the many things you wouldn't talk about today, but I think we can all draw our own conclusions. I do thank you for your service to the country, and I'm glad this charade will come to an end soon, and we can get back to the important business of this committee with its broad jurisdiction of so many important issues for the country without a yield pack. So at the end of the day, Robert Mueller wouldn't even stand behind the recommendations made in his own report. He either doesn't know what they are, he doesn't uh, any longer subscribe to them, he doesn't want to allow any ex exploration of how he arrived at these opinions. The whole two-year-long effort by Robert Mueller and his team of angry Democrats turns out to be a giant scam but it did accomplish what it set out to do it helped cover up the wrongdoing of james comey jim clapper and john brennan and hopefully now that bill barr has launched this investigation into the origins of this entire scam we can uh, we can get to the bottom of that well, we've got another uh, session coming up this afternoon in the House Intelligence Committee, and we'll cover that tomorrow. 
on this show. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow on Right Now with Jim Dawes. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.